Hey, sisters and friends, welcome back to episode two of Thriving Thoughts. I'm your host, Dr. Sherry, and you all are in for a serious treat with my beautiful, remarkable friend, Suzanne Taylor, who's going to talk with us about putting your past in its place. Before we get to that, the music you're hearing in the background is from my amazing, gifted musician friend, Derek Kretzer. He has a band called The Plate Scrapers. Be sure to check them out. And since you're being so gracious to tune in and listen to the show every week, would you please go ahead and hit the purple subscribe button on Apple Podcasts? That helps to get this message in front of other women. And while you're at it, please scroll down to the bottom of the show and click five stars. Help us reach our goal of 1,000 five-star ratings by March 1st. I know you guys will help me do it. You're a phenomenal audience. So thanks in advance for your support with that. Full disclosure here, this episode is not meant for younger ears. So take a listen to this when you are by yourself. My friend, Suzanne Taylor, she's going to take us on a journey guys. And there is some ugly crying and some not so attractive sniffling happening in this episode. But (laughs) that's because we got down to the truth. Suzanne is a product of divorce and child molestation, repeated molestation. And she really takes us on a journey about how all of these things in her past informed what she believed about herself and how what she believed about herself informed her relationship choices. And then that in turn informed how she responded to herself and others in those relationships. She even gets real talking about, hey, God, how could you let something like this happen to me? Right? I know that's a question many of you have probably asked yourselves, and I know that you're going to relate very well to the sincere heart that Suzanne shares, and the ultimate truth that you are not your past. So lean in and learn and be inspired and encouraged with an abundance of grace and truth by my friend, Suzanne Taylor. Hey, Suzanne, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for being on today. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited. I am too. Um, So I got to ask you, is it cold where you are? Are you, you're in Virginia, right? Yeah, I'm in Virginia. Um, It was, if I remember correctly, I think it was like 32. Yeah. It's been really, really cold. 16. It was really cold. So I have a random question for you. What's your favorite like winter time thing to eat? (laughs) I know that's totally random. No, it's I, I, that's fine. My by far my favorite thing is soups. But I actually have a dear friend um, that is very um, plant based eater, and she gave me uh, her recipe for butternut squash soup. But I am one of those people that I like to like change things up yeah. when I get recipes. So I actually make a butternut squash with bacon and quinoa soup, mm. and it's. It, got garlic infused in it. It's amazing. So that by far is my favorite thing to eat. That sounds good. I need the recipe. Can you send it to me? Yes, (laughs) ma'am. Yeah, that's awesome. I actually just made some soup last night myself. And it's so funny because I'm one of those people that um, like I love to cook and I love to try new recipes. But the other thing that I love to do is to look in my cupboards and see what's there and make something from it. My mom used to do that all the time. Yeah. It's like the best thing ever because it's kind of like if you love everything that you have in your cupboards and in your fridge, then whatever you throw together is probably going to, you know, mix well. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) I I have this when I just don't know what to make and it's, you know, I've heard it called two different names. My friend, when she gave me the original recipe, it was 
white trash casserole or trailer park casserole. <laughs> it's kind of basically like, you know, you throw what you have into a pan right. and you right. put the macaroni and cheese. And if you want beef or chicken and then all the veggies that are in the back of your refrigerator or right. in your and, you know, throw a bunch of cheese on there and it's like heaven. <laughs> so. Yes. Yeah. I, anything with cheese, you've got me right there. <laughs> like <laughs> bread and cheese, give it to me, give it to me. Well, right. it's got to be gluten-free bread. But anyway, <laughs> so, um, so, hey, tell me what is, um, I know when you and I talked on the phone briefly, you shared a little bit with me about your passion for working with like teens and tweens and right. doing some photography with them. Um, can you just uh, introduce yourself to the listeners by sharing what that passion is all about for you and, and um, how you walk in that passion? Okay. Well, first of all, I am a single mom. I have three children and two glam babies, my granddaughters. Um, and everyone except my daughter. Glam babies. Glam babies. I'm their glamma. Um, but they, everyone lives with me except my 22-year-old daughter. She lives in Rhode Island. Um, mm-hmm. But I have had a thriving, successful photography business since 2010. But I've dabbled in photography since about 1985. Um, So I have been specifically focusing on girls since 2010, girls and women. And then in 2014, yeah, 14, I actually changed what I was doing before. I was doing boudoir and maternity (laughs) and glamour, but Mm -hmm. I changed my genre of what I was shooting because I saw a need for girls um, when social media started to get really, really popular. Yeah. And I saw a need in girls that were tweens and teens that just didn't have, um, maybe they, not that they didn't have it, but you know, girls don't talk to their mothers. Mm-hmm. Like they don't want to hear what their mom has to say. They no. don't want to listen to any advice they give. And even for me, I have um, five boys, um, two that I birthed and then three stepsons. And then my daughter, if I try to share my wisdom based on <laughs> you know what I've right. learned in my 49 plus years. Right. They, um, you don't know anything. Don't like you don't know Jack right. squat about Jack squat. Right. Mom. What are you, right. why are you trying to tell me this? And sometimes they won't even let me tell them anything. Like I'll get one sentence in and they cut me off. So Mm -hmm. I know like there's certain subjects that kids don't want to hear from their parents, but when they hear it from another adult or an older sister, you know, faux sister, I call them, which I tell everyone, when you come to your session, we are going to talk so much before we actually meet in person so that when you walk in my studio doors, you're going to feel like I'm your older sister. Yeah. I want them to feel comfortable and confident, not only in my photography skills, but in being able to um, have conversations with me and feel like they can trust me. So one of the things um, that I decided to do was switch to tweens and teens because I've always wanted to get into ministry and, you know, be a youth pastor or something. But I feel like that's not my spiritual gift that the Lord gave me to do. Like, yeah. I feel like, 
he wants me to work with tweens and teens, but not in a way like in a church setting. He knew that I am someone that easily connects to people. And I'm a, um, I don't know if you know about the Enneagram, but I'm an Enneagram too, and which is a giver helper, but I'm also an empath. And so for me, it was so easy for me to have these girls come into my studio, for me to pour into them, to minister to them without them knowing that's what I was doing, Right. which in the end made them. I can't even tell you, Sherry, how many times parents have written me saying, you have no idea what you've done for my daughter. Like Mm -hmm. she is walking on cloud nine after her photo shoot. She has so much more confidence. She's, you know, changed the way she dresses. She's just feels confident in herself and in her body and in her appearance. And I just want to say thank you for everything that you did. What an incredible gift to give to a young woman. And I am just so thankful that the Lord saw me fit to give me that gift. Yeah. That's what I am like feel blessed about and so thankful for. Um, because you know, he could have given me the gift of voice, which my kids wish that he did, that because <laughs> I can't sing, I can't carry a tune, but I will make a joyful noise on the daily. <laughs> right, right, right. So that's I hear you, girl. <laughs> so that's not my spiritual gift, but I definitely have a gift for talking to youth. And, you know, you can see me right now. And I obviously don't look like I'm on the cusp of being 50 years old. And in my heart, I don't feel like I'm even 30. I feel like I'm a 20-something-year-old. And um, I think the fact that I just feel so young, and my kids used to say, Mom, stop acting like you're 25. Not that I was acting like I was 25, but they see other parents that act like fuddy-duddies that are just – Right. Act like they're old, you know, and right. I'm very active. I, you know, I work out five to six days a week and, you know, I just stay active. And so I think based on the fact that I still watch the Disney Channel, you know, I can have conversations with my teenagers about their favorite Disney show. Um, you know, and I have a very lengthy questionnaire that um, they have to fill out before they come to their session so I can get to know them. Right. And um, it's kind of a self-introspective thing for them, too. Like, they actually have to think about, like, who am I? And um, when we're done at the end of their session, I'll ask them, okay, I want you to give me five statements of who you are. And it needs mm-hmm. to start with I am. Yeah. And in the beginning, if I ask them that same question, they might because we do get close, they might say, I'm not confident. I am ugly. I am fat. I am this. By the time that we're done, they are like, I am a force to be reckoned with. I am strong. I am confident. I am beautiful. And that's what I want. I want to, if, if, even if there's only one girl in the world, Sherry, that I can positively impact, Right. And I know that I have done what the Lord has set me out to yeah. do for him, to glorify him. So, um, yeah, that's, that's I love that. Cool. And, you know, what's so cool is that <clears throat> in very different mediums, very different platforms, you and I do the same thing. Essentially what you did there, Suzanne, when you're working with these young women is you help them take the lies that they believe about themselves, mm-hmm. throw them in the garbage and replace them with truths, exactly. which is I'm amazing. I'm incredible. I am fearfully made. I am strong. I'm independent. I am wise. I am wonderful. I mean, like, I love what you're doing. So why teens? Why tweens? So, okay. Um, you and I had this conversation offline a few weeks ago, but um, I am a child of um, divorce. You know, I'm a child that um, my mom remarried 
when I was, gosh, four years old. And um, I'm Hispanic and my mom's Hispanic, obviously, but so is my dad. And my mom married an Italian man, very Caucasian. And he, in hindsight, as I'm getting older, I learned that he didn't really care for us. He did not want to be around my mother's children. And Mm -hmm. my mom would send me off to Michigan. I was born in Michigan. We lived in New York at the time. But she would send me to Michigan every summer from when I was like three years old until I was 12-ish. And unfortunately, and I I feel like my mother knew um, because I've had conversations with her since then. But every summer, every day, I was being sexually assaulted by my grandfather. And um, so I'm a child of child molestation. And um, it really, for a long time, it defined me. Um, I had that victim mentality. And I had um, that feeling of worthlessness and hopelessness. And um, I because of what happened to me, I always looked for the person that was going to not be the best fit in my life as far as romantic Mm -hmm relationships. And so can you can I stop you right there and yeah. ask you a question because you know the the tagline of the show is little lies big truths. And so when something like that happens to you it informs particularly at, in in the formative years. It informs a lot of what you believe about yourself. Right. Um and so then therefore that carries over into your relationship choices like you were talking right. about. Can you let us in a little bit to the things that you believed about yourself? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I believed I could only get love if I was giving myself sexually to someone. That mm. was a big lie that I believed. I only, I mean, I've been married twice and divorced twice. And with both my husbands, I only felt like they loved me in the moment of that intimate act. Wow. Um, I never, ever felt like I got love for me just being me and who I was. And so there was, as a teenager, multiple times that I attempted suicide. Mm. There were um, multiple relationships that, you know, I had three boyfriends in high school and one in college. And I always believed that I wasn't good enough for anybody, that I wasn't yeah. as pretty as my friends, that, you know, I was the ugly duckling out of my group of friends. And I always used to say, oh, no, 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 you know, in high school, my all my guy friends, I'm just their little sister. I'm not good enough for them. Like, yeah. I would be the person that would say, you should really meet my friend, Lori. You guys would be a great match. And I was like the matchmaker. But I would always push off being in relationships with other people because I knew that that meant I would have to be sexual with them in order for them to love me. Mm. Wow. That's incredible. Now, how long? (laughs) It's a huge one. It's a huge one. Um, How long did that lie stay with you? Um, So kind of expounding on that before I answer that part of your question. um, I self-sabotaged every relationship that I was ever in as a result, because I had that lie of I'm unworthy. And I remember questioning God saying, why did you make me like this? Why did you have me go through this horrible life? And what I didn't tell you, Sherry, was that it, even though it ended when I was 12 with my grandfather, it went on with, um, with my half sibling. He was molesting me from when I was like eight until I was 17. And a lot of your listeners might be thinking 17, like, hello, like you, didn't you know, 
like what was happening. Mm-hmm. But you got to remember, like this all started when I was like four years old. Right. And, and that all was I knew life. was like, that's how the males in my life right. show me love. I didn't right. know anything better. Wow. Um, and then I had a third person in my life, like three people in my life that were supposed to protect me, took yeah. advantage of my vulnerability and molested me as well. Mm. So, you know, it stopped. I finally put a stop to it with my half sibling in college. I, cause I was started college when I was seven, just, just turned 17 And um, I put an end to it. And I was like, no, like, no more. This is not happening. You need to stop. And so, but it went on in my life as far as me feeling like I could only receive love through sex until my sex, through my second marriage. And um, I specifically, my ex-husband saying to me, why can't you just accept the fact that I love you for who you are? And I said, no, you don't. You only love me because of the things that I do for you in the bedroom. And he Mm. said, okay, whatever. And I think like I was continuously self-sabotaging. And there was one point where we actually split up for six or eight weeks. This is back Mm. in um, 2011. Mm. So at that time I was 41. And um, we split up because I kept pushing and pushing and pushing, saying, I don't deserve you. You're too good for me. Like, I shouldn't be married to you. And um, we split up. And then the Lord was like, I was so conflicted. And I kept hearing his voice every day saying, Suzanne, you deserve this. You deserve so much Mm -hmm. love. You are a child of God. You are worthy of this man's love. Like, you need to go home. So we were separated for about eight weeks. I went home and for three years, it was bliss, like the best life we could have ever had. And all of a sudden, the enemy just started talking to me in my head again, telling me this isn't real. Like, you don't deserve this, man. This Mm -hmm. isn't real. And so um, we got divorced. Um, We split up in 2016 got divorced in 2017. And in 2016, I had a gun in my mouth and almost killed myself. So I just didn't believe that I deserved the things that were happening in my life with my relationship. And Mm -hmm. um, at that point, you know, my, my ex started cheating. Suzanne, I need to, I need to stop you there for a sec. Absolutely. Um, So the, you know, the, the therapist in me. So I saw you tear up when you started Mm -hmm. talking about that. You said at that point, you know, I, I just didn't believe I was I was worth that. And I don't want you to gloss over that because I think that there's probably a woman listening that needs to hear a little bit more from you about that. Okay. When you reached that place where you had a gun in your mouth, mm-hmm. I mean, what was what was going through your mind and what got you out of that in the moment? Um, well, at that point, my ex Oh, and I'm, I need to preface this. My ex and I have a fabulous relationship now. He's, um, all three of my children are from my first marriage. Um, but my ex-husband, my second ex-husband, um, he really embraced my children. And so he still has visitation with them. My daughter calls him her second best friend. So I want you to understand, like, we are in a very good place now. We have a very strong yeah. relationship. So I would never, ever, like, say anything terrible about him um, because he is a good man. Um, but I think it got to the point where he, um, just got tired of my crap of my not believing in myself. So he's not loving yourself. Yeah. 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 And so he started staying out till two, three, four, five o'clock in the morning on like a weeknight and come home, you know, and he was very high, a high key figure in his job. And so he could come in at noon and no one would care because he's the boss, you know? 
but he would stay out all night and he started drinking and he started having an alcohol problem and I had called him out about it. And he's like, you just don't understand. Like you are just like, you know, basically blaming me mm-hmm. for why he was drinking. But anyhow, so um, going back to that. So that night that I was in his closet, because we had separate walk-in closets and I was in his closet and I had, I had the biometrics type of um, case for the gun uh-huh. and I opened it up. It kept failing. Like, I feel like the Lord was doing this on purpose. It wouldn't read my fingerprints. And I kept mm-hmm. going and kept going and kept going. And like, like the 10th time. Like another right. chance, another chance to walk right, away, right, walk absolutely. away, walk away. Yeah. And, uh, it finally let me in. And I, at that, I was sobbing uncontrollably, Sherry, like I was a mess and I was ready. I was done. And I thought for sure he's cheating on me. What is he doing till five o'clock in the morning? Mm -hmm. And I did notice that he had, you know, phone calls from other women and I called them up and I'm like, what are you doing with my husband? And then he swore, no, it's emotional support because I needed a woman's perspective, whether or not that's truth or lie. I don't care at this point because I I love him as a friend now. Um, But anyway, what stopped me from, he actually walked into the closet while I was in there with the gun and I had hit it under my thigh and he is like, what the hell are you doing in my closet? And he saw me crying and he was like, I'm just done with you. And he walked away and I, he left and I was like, all right. And he shut the door and I put the gun in my mouth. And this Mm. is how I know the Lord was like, I tried nine times to keep you from getting into that gun case. Right. I'm sending angels to watch over you and to protect you. And what happened was my little boy at the time, um, this was 2011. So I'm sorry, 2014. So he was uh, just turned nine or 10. He yelled out for me, mommy, where are you? Mommy, where are you? I'm scared. I just had a nightmare. Are you okay? And that I know is the Lord intervening and Mm -hmm. saying, it is not your time, little girl. I'm sorry, but you are my child and Mm -hmm. you are destined for greatness. Yeah. yeah. You are not supposed to leave this world yet because I have so much more for you to do. And you are incredibly loved. Yes, absolutely. And at the time, I did not know that. I didn't believe it. And so I feel like, you know, my kids, mm. my older kids are like, why are you so close to Braxton? And what they don't know, because I've never told them this is because that night he saved my life. Mm. Wow. That little man, I still haven't told him because that's a sh- that's shame that I have. Mm. And I, you know, obviously I'm crying about it, but it's shame that I have that I'm trying to get past. And I thought I'd gotten past it because I haven't cried about it in a long time. Um, but what can you, can you, um, so one, thank you for so candidly sharing your story with me and with the women listening. Um, I think that's part of the work of working through that. And Mm -hmm. I think that, I think that what you experienced is a demonstrable example of what I talk about, which is we never really get over stuff. We never really move on from stuff, you know, our, our experiences, our everything that's been a part of us, whether it's a lie that we believed and we feel like we've gotten over it, we never really get over it. Like that stuff is always there. I think it just depends on how, um, how, uh, we get, we are able to face that, face right. those, those lies with truth more quickly and, 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 um, more meaningfully as we, 
continue to work through that. But since you mentioned the word shame, I do want to talk about that because can you just share, um, I mean, what's it like for you to tell me that? Like what thoughts go through your head when you're sharing this story with me and not even to mention, you know, the hundreds of women that are going to be listening to this, but what, what goes through your mind when you share that story? So for, so for me, just in general, like shame was my middle name. I was so ashamed about the fact mm. that I didn't know better about, okay, Suzanne, you're 16, 17 years old. Like you should know better. Like, why would you let someone still molest you sexually? Like, I don't understand. So that I had a lot of shame. Just out that. accusation of yourself. Yeah. Just, yeah. Constant self-accusation. Of, wow. you know, and other people, cause I hadn't shared my story with anyone, I think until, gosh, I think probably, uh, I had a boyfriend from when I was 21 to 25, 20, 20 to 24. And I finally, he was the first person I ever told about what happened to me. And he didn't look at me with shame in his eyes. He was the first person that hugged me and was like, I am so sorry that you went through that. Like that is an incredible thing to a burden to have dealt with for so long and to have kept that inside. Um, And then what really released me from the shame, and I encourage anyone that's in this situation now that maybe hasn't even talked to a therapist about being a child of, of, you know, sexual assault or what have you, what really helped me was one, I, you know, started reading my Bible regularly. Mm -hmm. Um, I started journaling about what was going on in my life. Um, I read an incredible book um, that was kind of like a workbook that was um, becoming the woman God wants you to be. That was like a huge turning point for me. But the biggest thing that I wouldn't have done unless I had read that book, um, that workbook, was that I wrote a letter to my half-sibling say like my grandfather is dead now. So, um, that's, I couldn't have had resolved issues with him, but I wrote a letter to my brother and I said, I need you to know, I release you from Mm. what you did to me because I I don't know what it was specifically, Sherry. I can't remember right now, unless it maybe was the book I was reading, but I had a shift in my mindset that Mm -hmm. made me think, wait a minute, sexual abuse is a learned behavior. Like people, little kids, because my brother was only a year older than me when he started molesting me when I was eight and he was nine. Mm -hmm. And he used to live with my grandmother and my grandfather year round. Like he didn't want to live with my dad because remember I told you my dad didn't want my mother's kids around. Mm -hmm. So he Mm -hmm. um, moved away, I think at the age of five and lived with my grandparents. And so I wrote him and I said, it just dawned on me. I don't know why I didn't think of this sooner, but I release you from what you did because I know that was not you. I know that was a behavior that you And the reason that I know that is because if it was happening to me, then I know that it had to have been happening to you. And I am so sorry that I did not even fathom. I couldn't even wrap my head around the fact that this was happening to him. And even though I was his little sister that was 11 months younger than him, I was stronger than him. I was the person that initially that was like the leader of our, of our family. And 
I think over the years of being molested on a regular basis broke me down to be just like this little kid all the time. Even at 22 years old, I was just this like helpless child. Yeah. And by writing that letter and explaining to him, I'm sorry that I didn't see that this was possibly happening to you. And I'm, I want you to accept my apology for not being the, the little sister protecting you and helping you. And I want you to know that I love you. And because I hadn't spoken to him at that point um, in like nine years, 10 years. Um, And I said, you know, if you want to have contact with me, if you want to talk about this, I am here for you. I'm a different person. I'm a stronger woman now. And, you know, I want to have this conversation. I never heard from him, Sherry. And only a year ago, I found out the reason I didn't hear from him. I gave the letter to my husband, my second husband at the time. And I said, I need you to mail this because if I do it, I won't. I said, Mm. I need you to mail this letter for me. And a year ago, my sister said, because I didn't know my sister was also being molested. I had no idea why our grandfather. And that makes me think my other sister may have been too. And my mom was being molested by her grandfather when she was a kid. So my Mm. husband at the time never mailed the letter. I didn't know that. My sister said, I got to tell you something. She goes, Mike never mailed that letter. And I, it was like all of a sudden after I wrote that letter, I felt just this wave of just blissfulness and uh, the weight of the heaviness come Mm -hmm. off my shoulders, knowing I handed this letter over and my brother was going to get it. And then for to find out a year ago, he he never got that letter. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if my brother's alive or dead. So my fear is for him to die, not knowing Mm. that I forgave him for what he did. And that I'm sorry that if that happened to him, that he didn't have anyone there to protect him. Mm. So that, that then kind of like bothered me for a couple of weeks. And, you know, I haven't tried to reach out to my brother um, because the only way I'd be able to do that is by my mom. And I don't have a relationship with her either, Mm -hmm. but which is a whole other podcast, but um, the shame really overtook my entire life for so many years. And it wasn't until um, the last two and a half years when I, um, met an incredible group of women through networking, you know, I'm in the direct sales business. It wasn't until then. And then my boyfriend that I had, we just recently broke up, but um, I met him three years ago. It wasn't until I met him that I actually started to change my mindset. I was so codependent. And he used to tell me, I said, do you think I'm needy? And he was like, the fact that you're asking me if you think I'm, you're needy, it means you're needy. Well, it, <laughs> it means that you believe you're needy, <laughs> right, certainly, right? right? Hey, right. Suzanne, I want to back up for a sec. Okay. <clears throat> um, there's there's a really beautiful truth that you shared, and I want to make sure that that we don't lose that. Um, it, it was really, I was just struck when you were talking about writing this letter to your brother and this act of forgiveness, you know, forgiveness is not a, it's not a feeling that overcomes you. It's, it's an action. It's a verb, just like love, right? Love is a verb, not a feeling. Forgiveness is a verb. And, and, and you doing that, you writing this letter and you sending that, that off, that was that act of forgiveness. And what was beautiful about that is that at the time, you told yourself, my brother's going to get this and he's going to know how I feel. Mm-hmm. And that's what, that's what you believed. And when you believed that, even, even if you had no control over that, even if you didn't know what the outcome was going to be, because you believed that and because you put 
you know, what I would call feet to your faith by practicing forgiveness and writing that letter, you believed that. And the very act of doing that allowed you to be free from that. Mm -hmm. Even though the outcome you had no influence over, you didn't know, you didn't know until a year ago that he never got the letter, but that doesn't change the fact that I think the beautiful truth is forgiving someone doesn't require that both parties be involved. Mm. You released it. You forgave. And, and for, you know, a receipt, somebody's receipt of forgiveness is not required for forgiveness to be shared. Right. So like, even though he never got the letter, that doesn't mean, okay, my forgiveness isn't valid. Right. That's right. (laughs) I forgave him. I'm, you know, not that you get over, like you said, but I have moved on to a place where I am, I feel safe. I feel confident in where I came from. And I'm not that little person that I used to be that was Mm. very mousy and scared of her own shadow. Um, You know, wondering if the next person I dated only wanted me, you know, for sex or if they wouldn't love me or what have you. Yeah. So do you see that then? Do you see you, you know, the past you, the little girl you who was um, abused and taken advantage of and not safe and not confident and thinking, believing all kinds of horrible things about yourself and living in shame? Are you quick to see that in the young girls that you work with? Absolutely. I am. And I think, you know, again, spiritual gift is being able to, I'm an empath and I can see, like, I'm not a good, I'm a terrible judge of character. I can tell you that right now. (laughs) Terrible judge of character. And I say that because of, there's been times where I've met girls, teenagers, women in my life when I was those same ages that I thought, oh my God, this girl and I are going to be best friends. But this is the broken Suzanne that used to see this. Um, and so I thought, oh, we're going to be best friends. And then we end up hating each other. Like, yeah, you know, we might be friends for a year. And then all of a sudden we can't stand one another and we never want to see each other on the face of the earth again. And then there's <laughs> the women where I judge them even recently in the last eight months. Um, I do. I used to be in the military and I mm-hmm. used to tell my soldiers all the time, whatever you do, never, ever take someone else's opinion of someone else and use that as your truth. Because that's right. No. If they just don't resonate, they're so Say that again one more time for us. Never ever take someone else's opinions of someone else as truths because yes. that is not necessarily the case. Like just because you don't connect with someone, that's right. That this person's soul that's doesn't right. connect yes. with them. Yes. And so I used to do that all the time. And then when I was in the military and I learned like, wow, that's like a really bad thing to do because I might actually become really good friends with this person. That's right. And that's yeah. always what happened is I would hear the opinion of others, take it as truth, and then throw it to the side after I got right. to know the person. But I would walk in with this mindset of like, oh, I heard this about that person. And oh, I heard that, you know, they're they're not a good person. And then I'd come to get to know them. And I'm like, you are an incredible soul. Why did I let that poison enter right. my mind for a second? That's right. That lie. Yep. So, yep. Yeah. So now that's um, helped me um, grow, you know, in the last two and a half, three years, I can see in other people 
like I look at their soul before and like I really try to listen to their word yeah. before I pass an opinion or a judgment on someone sure. because I, I I was such a terrible judge of character. Um, but most recently I had it happen again and I don't know why, like the enemy was working in my head. Someone told me a story about this girl and said, oh, she's this, she's that, you don't, you know, you don't want to know her, whatever. And I listened to that. And so I prejudged her. Mm. And being Mm. in direct sales, one of the things that we're taught is never prejudge anybody. You don't know their circumstances. You don't know their backstory. You don't know where they came from. And I prejudged her. And do you know she's one of my best friends now? Mm. Like, so again, I'm like, Suzanne, why did you do that? You prejudge somebody. Don't do that. And I hadn't done that in years. So, and I wasn't listening to my own truths. Yeah. And I think, I thank you for being honest about that because you're certainly not alone. I think that all of us, including me, are guilty of prejudging people based on what we've heard or rumor or hearsay or whatever. And, um, you know, it's for me when, so, and, and this has really been within the last five years. Well, one, I don't really, I don't really have people in my life that um, talk about other people. In a negative way. Um, And and I did at one point. I did at one point. But I've certainly not – I haven't cut them out or cut them off. I've just disconnected because I shut Mm -hmm. down when somebody is doing something like that. I shut down and I I just choose not to engage. So it's not about cutting people off. I just don't engage. Right. Um, But by doing that, do you see, though – and I want to ask you this question. Yeah. Do you see by cutting off that negativity – And I use social media on the daily because I am in direct sales, but I notice, and I want to know if this is true for you because you're in a different genre, a different field than me. Do you see nothing now but positivity and like funny memes and positive empowerment, you know, uh, texts and quotes in your newsfeed now? No. So no, 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 not at all. Um, But here's the thing. It's not, and and I I would just... um, I want to encourage the listeners with this truth. It's never ever, and you too, Suzanne, it's never ever about cutting something off. Mm-hmm. It's always, always about choosing something else. Right. So it, it's, you know, there's a lot, I get, I honestly, I get frustrated when I see memes that talk about um, <laughs> stopping the negativity and cutting off the negativity. And, and because when you're doing that, when you're posting things like that, when anybody posts things, you're focusing on negativity. Mm-hmm. And so when you're focusing on it, even if you're talking about ridding yourself of it, when you focus on it, it's going to stick with you. Mm-hmm. So you can't, you, you can't stop doing something without getting your focus on something else. Mm-hmm. Right. And then that just naturally falls away. So for right. me, you know, my, my general, and this is not a rule that I have verbalized to myself, but my general, my rule of thumb, my practice is that I just, I engage with what I'm focused on, which is truth and positivity. That's Mm -hmm. what I engage with. And there's other stuff that I don't engage with. Um, but I don't focus on the fact that I have to try really hard to not engage with something. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's just really important for us to focus on, instead of focusing on cutting stuff off, focus on embracing what you're embracing or pursuing what you're pursuing, which is truth or positivity or, you know, whatever that is for you. So yeah, Mm -hmm. I I don't know even know if I answered your question or not. No, 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 it's fine. Yeah. Cause what I definitely notice is that because I'm focusing on 
just being authentically myself and not allowing others to insert any kind of what I call poison or negativity into my life. By doing that, I'm focusing on my newsfeed of people that I want to connect with. Right, right. All I see now is all these wonderful, beautiful scripture or yeah. fabulous empowerment quotes that I'm like, yes, yes, right, yes, right. You know? And so, um, and then all my friends now are just naturally people lifters. Like yes, they want to yeah. uplift people all the time. And I don't have anyone that I engage with, with like a few pulled my top 12 people I engage with on the regular, not a single one of them ever has anything negative to say. Yeah. Not a single one. They always are talking about, oh, this person, you know, did you hear they're getting divorced? We need to put, you know, a gift yeah. together for them. Right. And that's who I want to surround myself that's with. Right. But going back to your question about, um, you know, seeking out, like when I work with these tweens and teens, just real quick, I want to finish this up. Yeah. Um, there's a book. They don't know when I mail them the book. I tell them, hey, I'm going to send you a book and I need you to read XYZ chapters. One's mm-hmm. on confidence. <clears throat> one's about social media. And another one is about boys, like not mm-hmm. entertaining, you know, yeah. boys or trying to get them to be attracted to you. Because of where I came from, I don't want girls to look for boys that are only looking at them as bodies and not as humans. Right, right. And so <clears throat> I have them read this, and it's a faith-based book. Um, my friend Kari, she wrote the book. She's written a couple of books um, for tweens and teens. And it's incredible because I see when they come to my session, because they have to read that chapter on confidence, I see already when they walk through my studio doors that they yeah. are different in person than what I saw on social media, yeah. I ask them for their social media. And I do my best because I don't want you to be someone different than who you are on social media. Sure. You could be the same person, no matter what situation that you're in. And then, you know, you're living your true authentic self, your authentic right. life. And so I talk to them about that when we're doing our session, you know, I'll ask them, you know, questions about like, you know, who's your best friend? Why is your best friend? What have you? Um, do any of your friends, you know, talk bad about you if, you know, and I try to minister to them in that way, like, well, maybe that's not a group you should be right. involved in. Because if you're worried about if when you stand up from the table, if they're going to, if you're going to be the topic of conversation, then that's not a group of friends. That's right. Out with. That's right. <clears throat> so <clears throat> that's basically what I do is I just kind of minister to them without them knowing that it's yeah. coming from a place from a woman that's faith filled and faith, um, faith building, um, you know, and if they decide to come to Christ as a result, well, then I've, you know, helped another one get into the pearly gates of heaven. Right. Right. Yeah. right. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And I'll tell you, I took a peek at, at hmm. some of your work, Suzanne, and it's just, it's magnificent. And oh, thank you. yeah, it's truly magnificent. And you do capture you do capture the f the essence of confidence, the eth- the essence of authenticity. You capture that in your work, and it's gorgeous. So, somebody listening has teens and tweens, and they're in the Shenandoah Valley area, um, or maybe not. Maybe they're in D.C. or maybe you know, because I think your work is worth the drive. So, if they wanted to work with you, um, how do they see your work? How do they get in touch with you? What does that look like? So my studio name is Bella Lay Couture and um, the Lay is spelled L-E-I. It's Bella Lay in Italian means beautiful you. And so I wanted to make sure that when I created my studio that, you know, people were coming because they wanted to feel and, you know, be confident inside and out. Mm -hmm. And um, 
my studio, like I said, specializes in tweens, teens, and high school seniors. I do photograph boys as well because, you know, boys have a lack of confidence yes. too. That's right. um, I don't get a lot of moms that reach out to me, but the ones that, that do, we mm-hmm. have spectacular photo shoots. I really now, love working with girls, but boys, man, they really get me because I have five boys. So Right. Do you have them read the same book? Um, I don't, but... Not to say that they couldn't get something because I haven't had any tween or teen boys. I've only had high school senior boys. Got it. So I feel like this book, it's called um, 10 Ultimate Truths All Girls Should Know. Love that. Kari, 10 Ultimate Truths. Yes. And Kari, K A R I, Kampakis, Kampakis, K A M P A K I S. She wrote that book. Um, and it's, it talks about, well, you as a girl and your girlfriend. So I need to find, um, she has a friend cause she doesn't have any sons. She has four or five girls and she has a friend that has four or five boys. And I believe her friend is writing a book, but if not, I think now that you mentioned that, if I do have any tweens or teens boys, um, coming in sometime soon, they did an entire blog post about it on how to raise, um, boys, like 10 yeah. all truths boys should know. So I'm going to have to start linking that when the next yeah. one is boy. Absolutely. But, <clears throat> but yeah, so it's Bella Lay, B-E-L-L-A, L, next word, L-E-I, and then Couture, C-O-U-T-U-R-E.com. Or they can go to Bella Lay Couture on Instagram or on Facebook. I okay. Have there. And I'm located in Berryville, Virginia, which is like an hour and 10 minutes from D.C., um, mm-hmm. 15 minutes from Winchester, about a half hour from Leesburg. So mm-hmm. awesome. So the best way to get in touch with you, to reach out to you if they want to, so they can, um, they can email me at it's, um, Bella Lake Couture at gmail.com. Okay. Yep. Or they can, um, text me, you know, send phone call. It's all on my, my website. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. We'll be sure to include that in the show notes. Thank you. Um, yeah. And, um, who is, um, Who's a woman that spoke truth into your life? Oh my gosh. Um, putting me on the spot. So I know that's what I do. Yeah. So growing up as a kid, all of my, the people that I looked up to, unfortunately, sadly were men, males. And I don't know if that's because of the trauma that I went through as a child. Um, Maybe your psychology mind is thinking, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, that's why. But um, all of my friends <laughs> were guys. I had well, it's certainly who you identified with. Right. You know, there's, nothing, there's nothing more intimate in terms of, especially for a woman, um, in terms of feeling loved because actually mm-hmm. the sexual arousal, arousal centers of the brain are coupled with the feeling of love. I mean, okay. that's just how, you know, that's how we were created. That's how women were created specifically to feel loved in the, in the act of that. So mm-hmm. it makes sense then that that's who you would be drawn to. Yeah. So the question you asked was like, who inspires me? Well, who, what I want to know, um, who, who's a woman in your life that has spoken truth over you and into you? If oh you my have gosh. One. Okay. Yeah. And she knows this. There's one person that can shake me to my core rattle me and make me feel loved all in the same conversation. Okay. She speaks truths into me on the regular. She can get me from zero to 10 as far as like my stress level. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, just 10 seconds. It's 
but I love her for it because she challenges me every time that we talk. That's what truth does, right? Yeah. It challenges challenges us. She uplifts me. She um, puts me in my place when she thinks I'm doing something wrong. But the thing about it, Sherry, is she does it all with love. And that's my daughter. Yeah, girl. Oh, I love it. I love it. What's her name? I'm going to cry. Her name is Holland, H-A-L-L-Y-N-D, but she and I had the most tumultuous relationship growing up. I have two sisters that are younger than me, and one of them I got along with really well. The other one we couldn't stand. I had battle scars on my body from her because of our daily fights. Hmm. But my daughter and I kind of went through the same thing. Um, There was a point where she ended up living with her dad for three years. Our our relationship was just so bad, and I would pray. And I still pray over my kids now, but I would pray every day, Lord, like, you know, I'm a broken mess. Why would you give me a daughter that even makes me more broken? Wow. Questions who I am, like internally, I myself was questioning who I was as a parent if I couldn't raise a strong daughter. Mm. But then you got to remember, I was coming from a place where I wasn't a strong woman. So how could I be a strong mom for her? But now, you know, it took, it took years, you know, everyone kept saying, Suzanne, don't worry, get out of the teenage years, your daughter and you are eventually going to become best friends. And I was like, there ain't no way in H-E double hockey sticks, that is never going to happen. And you know what, they weren't wrong, they were right. And she is by far my best friend. Mm -hmm. And if you'd asked me five years ago, I would have never thought that could ever be true. But she is my best friend. And like I said, she will call me out on stuff. If I'm feeling down about something, she'll be like, girl, you got this. Like I did a post the other day and um, I was having breakfast with her and she had this, she has her own direct sales business and she's a businesswoman. She's had five jobs at one time on the regular. She's just an entrepreneurial spirit. And she said, well, I get it from my mama. And I was like, Mm. yes, yes, yes. She's clink, cling, claim to her awesomeness. me. As broken as I was, as terrible I thought of a mom that I was, the fact that she tells everyone that I owe it all to my mama Mm. is the best, best compliment I could ever get from anyone. And especially from her. Um, but yeah, we were having, having breakfast the other day and she has all these businesses and she had this gorgeous Chanel bag. I don't own Chanel, not because I can't afford it, but because right. I'm just not a designer handbag kind of girl. Yeah. And I said, must be nice to be making the Benjamins to have <laughs> this type of, uh, you know, a handbag on your, and she's like, well, if it weren't for my mama, I wouldn't be the hustler that I am. And I'm Aww. like, yes, yes. So Aww. anyway. Love so, it. Yeah. so she's, she's my inspiration. She's the one that speaks truths into me and she never lets me forget how far I've come in life. So wonderful, wonderful. So encouraging for moms out there that are at that space in the relationship with their daughter, where it just feels like it's a constant war or constant misunderstanding and they can't even talk to each other, mm-hmm. that there will, there will come a day. Stay the course. There, there will, will come, come a day. A day. Don't yeah. stop praying for your baby girl. That's all I got to say about that. Right. Right. Awesome. Okay. So, um, man, Suzanne, I've just had such a blast with you. Thank you so much for sharing your heart, like your heart, heart, like you really shared, you got me crying today, which is always a good thing because truth makes us cry. Doesn't Mm -hmm. it? Um, so one thing I I ask every guest, um, before we end the show Mm -hmm. is for the women listening, um, 
If there is only one truth that you want them to remember, and you've provided multiple throughout the episode today, but if there is one truth that you want them to remember when they, when this episode ends today and they walk along through the rest of their day and through the rest of their week and through the rest of their life, what is one thing that you would want them to remember? My gosh, there's been so many running through my head that I want to share, but I have to say, you know, growing up, um, I had this conversation with you about how my first job, I was four years old and people are like, what kind of job can you have at four years old? Like, what the heck, girl? I was a child migrant worker. I went in the fields mm. and I picked carrots and beans and onions. And, wow. um, you know, we got up at two, three o'clock in the morning. We and- didn't even talk about that, girl. Oh, I thought we did. I'm sorry. But anyhow. No, I mean, on the show, was- on the show. Oh, oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. We did it. But, um. I grew up poor, you know, like yeah. we'd get out in the field three o'clock in the morning, work until, you know, one o'clock in the afternoon because it gets hot, you know, and you can't be out there doing all that in the heat. Um, but I always thought I was going to be poor. We got, you know, um, child, well, I don't, not child welfare, but we got welfare services where they would bring us the black and white tin cans and boxes of dried mm. potatoes to make mashed potatoes, or the dried powder, you know, for milk. For milk, yeah. Yeah. So we grew up very poor and um, my mom was on food stamps the whole nine yards. And so one of the truths that I want to share, this reason I'm sh- sharing this with you, is that I want people to know and understand that you are not your past. Yes, girl. Say that again. You are not your past. And yes, your, future, your, your future, you don't know what's to come. You just have to have faith and believe that these situations, circumstances, tribulations, everything that you go through are in an effort to make you the woman that God created you to be. Yeah. Yeah. So you got to get through all that and you have to believe there is, there is light at the end of the tunnel. Mm-hmm. I never believed that until I was in my late forties. And that's why I share that book, um, 10 ultimate truths. All girls should know. Cause I read it yeah. when I was like 44 and, um, that book changed my life. Wow. I said, Carrie, why didn't you write this when I was a, you know, eight, 10 right. year old girl. And she's like, well, I was only like one then, you know, and, but you wouldn't have so- heard it then. I you you heard it at the right moment in your life. Yeah. It. And right. so um, I need people to know that you are not your past and your brighter days. Joel Osteen says this all the time. Your brighter days are just ahead. I love that. And, you know, I got to, I'm going to add on to your truth just because um, not, it's not your truth. It's, it's the truth. <laughs> you are not your past. And I would add this on in case there's a woman listening who's feeling guilt or shame. You are not your past, even if that past was 10 minutes ago, mm-hmm. even if that past was yesterday. You are not your past. Your past is anything that has happened up until this moment. Right. Right. You are not your past. And it's okay, you know, if there's situations that you find yourself in, it's okay to, you know, extend extend a hug of grace to yourself if you we um, got to give ourselves grace for yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. If things happen again and things will happen in our futures, right? Like mm-hmm. things will happen that we don't intend to or that we don't want to or or whatever, but that does not define us. That that says, "Nope, okay, th- there that was. Okay, there that was again. Let me give myself some grace and I'm going to get back up again, right?" So, I Absolutely. love that. Thank you so much Suzanne for being on the show today and um 
man, I know the listeners are going to love you. So listeners, you're going to want to check her out. Follow her on Facebook and Instagram. We'll include the links in the show notes. And we're going to include the link to your friend Carrie's book, 10 Ultimate Truths Every Girl Should Know, because I want to read that now too. So it's a quick turner. You can read it in a couple days. Absolutely. Awesome. So thank you, my friend. And and you go and you speak that truth over yourself that you are not your past. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. And I hope You're, even if this, you know, helps one person, then I know yeah. again, I'm, I'm doing the Lord's work. So awesome. Thank you, Suzanne. Bye. You. Bye. Whew, what an incredible conversation just packed with truths. And I, for one, I'm so grateful for that truth that Suzanne left us with, that we are not our past. You are not your past. Thanks for tuning in today, friends. We're going to include all of the links to the book that Suzanne recommended and to her website so that you can learn more about what she does and you can reach out and get in touch with her. I know that she'd love to have you reach out and connect. We'll include all of that in the show notes, as well as the music you're hearing from Derek Kretzer. Please check him out. Um, he's a phenomenal musician and friend, and I'm so grateful for his partnership in this podcast music. And I wanted to remind you about a premium portion of the podcast that I have at thrivingthoughts.podbean.com. And the current series is Break Up Breakthroughs. You guys, this is some real, real raw, but hopeful and truth speaking stuff. I want to share my story to encourage you. It's only $1.99 per week for the subscription. $1.99 that is. So uh, please go on over while you're listening to this episode and check out that premium portion. I'd love to have you subscribe and listen in and learn from the experiences that I have had from the breakthroughs that I have had. And while you're at it, think about other women. Think about the women in your life who you know believe in thriving in any and every circumstance, who also believe in the power of speaking truth over the lies so that we can thrive. Share this episode with them. Share breakup breakthroughs with them. And I'm just so grateful that you tuned in today. Friends, have a wonderful week. Remember, speak truth over the lies so you can thrive in any and every circumstance.